is the. This is Brett. This is one of your hosts. This is a very special episode. What can I say? Were you were you worried that people were going to be confused who you were? Yeah, this is Brett. I just want, I want people to know as soon as we start who this this voice is. <laughs> everybody, everybody, relax. It's relax. okay. The title it's, isn't lying. The title isn't lying. Yeah, um, it, I mean, it is weird that we just show up in their ears. Yeah, uh, if someone's listening on headphones, so I guess we should have to just like be like, shh, 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 it's okay. It's us. <laughs> We're coming behind you, putting our hand over your mouth. Uh, and all, via via Skype from Brooklyn is Matt Little. Hello, hello, hello. And we aren't in the same room because perhaps you guys heard about a little uh, superstorm, a hurricane. I hate when they called Sandy. Yeah, I, I it always bum. It does. Okay, it's weird. It shouldn't bum me out, but when a hurricane. They also say, it's a tropical storm now, it's a super storm now, um, when it was a hurricane, as if it makes a difference to us, because yeah, it it's still... It doesn't, the wind still hurts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we are in, we've both been relatively holed up in our apartments for the better part of a week. Yeah. I don't know. Is actually, tonight is the evening that we should have been recording uh, our left-handed radio live show, Harry Potter nine and three quarters, but uh, but the the theater, the UCB East Theater, is in the Lower East Side, which now still does not have power. Yeah, and the night of the hurricane superstorm, I'm probably just going to say hurricane a lot. So meteorologists listening to this, awesome that you like our show. Yeah, yeah. And hey, I... thanks for uh, <laughs> uh, you know shout us out on the green screen sometime. Yeah. And also, I'm sorry for calling it a hurricane. It's just what pops in my head. The night of the superstorm, like the it was all a river basically. It yeah. was under like cars were submerged. Yeah, those photos were scary coming yeah. out of the Lower East Side. And I'll tell you too, we should say both of us got away relatively unscathed. Yeah, I'm not uh, scathed. Both where we are. Yeah, I am. I am scathed free as well. We- cable and internet on Monday night, and that was it. Like, we didn't even lose power. It flickered a bit, but we still yeah. had power. Yeah, that's, that happened to us, too. The only thing, um... I mean, I was in my apartment from Sunday at 7 when they shut the trains down until yesterday afternoon. Wednesday afternoon. This is this is Thursday. The days are all bleeding together. Yeah, yeah, it's um, all the same. Uh, I didn't, I left, I had to, I had a show on Halloween night, uh, that I had to walk from Astoria to Chelsea for, which, um, is six, a little over six miles. Yeah. Took me two yeah. and a half hours straight of walking, aside from one pit stop at a Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> but like that, that, that's a, that's a thing you would never fathom doing, not in these dire circumstances. Certainly not. Like, never on a normal day, I'm like, I'm just gonna walk to the UCB theater. No. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, too, where you're coming in Queens, in Astoria, uh, you are, you're coming from the north-south. So there is power, there's power on Manhattan above 26th Street. Yeah. And so so your, your trek, your trek is all lit. Yeah, except we got to when we got into Manhattan, um, we walked across the Queensboro Bridge, 
Yeah. Which was uh, an experience because we're walking. That bridge is about a, one and a half miles long, I think. It's yeah. a long bridge. It goes over Roosevelt Island. Uh, it was I, it was crazy walking that. Um, but you get in at 59th and 2nd-ish. Uh, and so we like walked two blocks. Like There was that dangling crane. I saw that thing in person. Oh, yeah, you took that, a lot of Instagram photos of that. Yeah. Uh, and then when you get down to 39th Street on the... On the east side, there is no power. It is literally, like, one side of the street totally lit up, and then the other side of the street, like, walking dead. Like, it is... Oh, really? It was really shocking. Like, oh, this is where the power has gone. And it's up on 39th. It's, like, yeah. 39th all the way to, like, 6th Avenue is um, out. Uh, and walking... Just walking down that street with no power was crazy feeling. It just... Yeah. It makes such a big difference, like, the dark oh, in yeah. the city. Oh, yeah. I, I, I walked, I had to walk to an audition yesterday, and I walked from my apartment, which is in Brooklyn, across the Williamsburg Bridge, and up to 43rd and 8th. Now, that was only like an hour and 45 minute walk. <laughs> I like uh, how, in these circumstances, uh, that was only an hour and 45 walk. Yeah, it was, like, it was, that's it was, nothing. Like it's, yeah, it's that's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, but, that trip took me through the Lower East Side, and through the East Village. And I, we were talking about this before we started recording, I have been in the city when no one, like late, late at night, there's barely anyone on the streets. There's barely anyone driving around except for cabs. Uh, There's still sort of a a hum about the city. Yeah. Uh, It was just deathly still everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere from the Lower East Side, from from <coughs> Delancey, bless you. Yeah, from Delancey all the way up to Twenty Sixth Street, all on the East Side, and then across across to uh, to Eighth Avenue at least. It was I, I never. Oh, and also cell service completely gone. Oh, really? Uh, I had I had no cell service uh. from the moment I hit I hit in Manhattan until I got to Twenty Fourth Street. Ah. Uh. Because I got, I got up there, I got up there, and I got like five text messages all at once that had been trying to come through the entire time I'd been walking through Manhattan up to that point. That's even and, more terrifying. And you know, the one of the scariest books that I've ever read, and one of my favorite books, is The Stand. Yeah. Uh, and to me, one of the scariest passages in literature is when they are describing the escape. Out the uh, out the tunnel, trying to get out of Manhattan. Huh. Like, yeah, just thinking about it, like the idea that there are all these dead bodies just choked in there, and then you start thinking about what New York would really be like if it were quiet and there was no electricity and everything was abandoned, and that's what the East yeah. Village is right now. Yeah, that's what when I was walking, like walking, it was about six thirty when we hit the power outage up uptown. Yeah. Uh, and it, so it was like getting dark, but it wasn't all the way dark. But it was yeah. weird to be like just walking down under scaffolding uh, on an, on, a, on a street with no power, and to like look into the apartment building lobbies and seeing like just one candle and being able to make out like the face of the doorman, yeah, or like the the lobby guy, the desk, whatever they're called, doorman, yeah, doorman, um, yeah. Or seeing, like, people on the street, like, talking and then, like, okay, well, I gotta go back in, turning around, turning on their flashlight, and then descending down into the darkness, like, yeah, yeah. weird. Well, I'm gonna die, see <laughs> <Yeah>. you later. <laughs> uh, and even, 
it would the I feel like this was also really interesting because on Monday, while the hurricane was happening, Superstorm was happening, um, I think social media was really crazy viable. Uh, I mean, I've had the news, the local news on all 24-7, every waking moment that I've been at home, the news has been on for me because that's the kind of person I am. Um, but it was really cool to be on, like, Twitter and stuff during it and to see, like, see the photos on the internet before the news would get them. Uh, yep. like the video of the, um, the super transformer exploding. Yeah. That thing that basically looked like it was special effects. Like it was ridiculous how bright that explosion was in and by super transformer. You mean power master Optimus prime. Yeah, right? I think so. Like with the, with the head, the power master in his oh, yeah. chest, high cube. Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about another disaster, which was the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Oh, oh, no, no, that wasn't, yeah, that was oh. a super Transformer disaster. <laughs> um, but, like, that, and then all those photos of the subway tunnels with the water all the way up to the ceiling are, like, gushing in. Oh, and yeah. It's really creepy and weird, and, I mean... You know, I think that, like, I feel like men always think that they can do, like, two or three things really well, which is, like... Like fight, outrun the cops, and like survive an apocalypse. Yeah. And you find out when you come up to each of them very quickly that you are less prepared for any of them than you ever expected yourself to be. Oh yeah. Well, I also like. I feel like that's a very special type of bravery if you live in Manhattan. Be- yeah. Or like in New York City, because if anything yeah. goes down in New York City, you're trapped. Like yeah, we are all we, trapped. We have friends. We have friends that are in the blackout zone that live in the blackout zone. Like uh, uh, yeah. Katie, Katie from Katie the Amazing Spider-Man episode. Our producer Ben. Yeah, our producer Ben. He's uh, he's in the blackout zone. Uh, and these are people. These are people that live, you know, in densely populated, high traffic areas in in Chelsea, in New York City, in downtown. Yeah, and they have to carry a flashlight with them. If they want to go outside, like... Yeah, I took one with me last night to the theater, because I'd heard, you know, and people are still driving down there, but there's no, there's no, like, the, there are no street signs, there's no walk signs. We, we went and had dinner in the city tonight, and we went by Best Buy up at, like, 44th and 5th, near Bryant Park, which has power, um, but I noticed, like, there were just a ton of people, like, just sitting in the window of the Best Buy with their phones plugged into the electrical outlets, and it's yeah. like, yeah, that's a site that I'm now getting used to seeing is people crowded outside of people on the street crowded around. You're like, oh, there's an outlet right there. That's why they're crowded around this random spot. Like they're all just yeah. charging it. It's crazy. I it's... had seen that Dan Slot was <clears throat> tweeting that he what walked down twelve flights across several blocks and found an outlet. Yeah, on the side of a random <clears throat> building that he plugged into. Yeah, just to like communicate with people and. That's that's crazy. Banks. I saw banks like the uh, uh, I think it's a Bank of America or something that's right across the street from uh, from Madison Square Garden by the Fuse Building. They have that huge ATM lobby, oh, and yeah. people were just sitting in there with power strips that the banks are apparently apply- supplying. Yeah, the banks are giving people power strips. New York things. bands together in these times. Yeah, for all the shit that people give New York for uh, having like curmudgeonly people or whatnot, they we all. We, I'll say we, yeah, we, we all seem to come together pretty well yeah. in, in moments of crisis. Well, and you look at the, like, the people, as soon as the buses got up, and just, like, all the people who were, like, 
you know, like basically, I don't care if it's a fucking hurricane. I got my shit to do. I'm getting on a bus yeah. and I'm doing my stuff. Like this yeah, is yeah. not a city that that just rolls over in the face of a hurricane. Now, granted, I have I th- kind of thoroughly enjoyed just sitting around my apartment <laughs> for yeah, days. I wouldn't you? Um, but like, it's so crazy, but also awesome that there's so many people that are just like not like. You know, I gotta get stuff done. Well, I mean, no, I didn't. I walked two and a half hours to do a sketch comedy show that we'd only had one rehearsal for, just because yeah. you know it's what you do. Yeah, <laughs> and there were they got time to bleed. Yeah, I mean, I also, I mean, I got to play Mayor Bloomberg in a last minute addition to the show, and oh, nice. um, and I got to play Dan Aykroyd. So you know, uh, good good Great night. Dan Aykroyd costume, by the way. Yeah. I thought it was pretty accurate, especially for like older Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. I was like, car, like weird cardigan, corduroys. That's what he wears. That's it's like a like a plaid flannel underneath. Yeah, yeah that's Dan Aykroyd. Totally. Um, but one of the this has been the most insane week. I feel like if they were ever going to if if they ever wanted to stealthily announce that Disney bought Star Wars, doing it during one of the biggest natural disasters of the past couple of years is probably when to do it because. <laughs> When I saw when I first saw that news, my mind immediately I immediately said to myself, "Okay, how does this prank tie into Sandy?" Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't think it was real. Yeah, that's and I, I like that we did. There were about six hours, twelve hours worth of like memes and jokes, and then immediately it's still like, "Okay, what's up with the subways? What's up with the power?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I yeah. Which I feel like is accurate. I mean, not to say that... I don't know. What, I wrote a column for CBR that went up on Wednesday because I wrote it on Wednesday morning of the blackout of, like, this yeah. tragedy, of uh, this disaster. And I feel like it's almost... I feel like it's uh, the way nerds should always operate is as if a hurricane has just happened because I feel like nerds overreact to everything. I feel like I've definitely done that in the past. And I feel like as I become an adult i'm trying to understand that these are just stories and they're just you know they're just for fun and if you don't like a thing you don't have to read a thing your whining isn't going to stop a thing from happening kind of like you know no amount of whining about how the hurricane was going to ruin my plans was going to stop the hurricane from coming yeah and no whining about I don't want there to be an episode 7 because Han, Luke, and Leia's story is done and no other actors should play those people. None of that whining is going to make Disney be like, oh yeah, you're right. Oh, we're sorry. It's yeah. psych, you know? Like, they're, they're just going to go, uh-huh, uh-huh. So anyways, here's Zac Efron as Luke Skywalker. Oh, God, it's going to happen. Princess, Princess Leia. Yeah. And, I, and of course, you know, and of course, uh, fans should have a, fans should have a reaction, but I kind of feel Absolutely. like... Absolutely. Um, but you know, I, I think that I, I think that a lot of times what happens is I feel like the people that that wind up being the most annoyingly outspoken are people who, either within the geek community or in other parts of their life, feel like they're not being that, that no one's listening to them. Yeah, they think that they think that no one that. that they're not being listened to. Yeah, and when something like this happens, this is the opportunity where all their friends who, under any other circumstance, would never talk to them about this kind of stuff, they'll be like, oh, hey, I heard uh, Disney bought Star Wars. What do you think of that? And then all of a sudden, they're the authority. (laughs) 
<laughs> they're getting the power they want. That's true. That's true. You, you know, I just, uh, I, I think it's, I, I think it's great the way that people have come together, and I, and I, and I agree with that. You know, like especially to, we we say this, we've said this so often, but there really is no reason for us to argue amongst ourselves as vehemently. Yeah. As as uh, as you know, online online comic culture seems to want to do. Yeah. And and it, it, it seems like to me, I think a lot of it winds up being like this sort of again, not being heard and the sort of isolationist idea of like you're the only person that you know that reads these things. That yeah. that, that reads these books outside of like your online community. So then as soon as you approach someone that, that may not share your viewpoint, you immediately flip out on them. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That wasn't a very coherent point. No, I got that point. Um, but also uh, it's, there's, um, it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same thing that's happened a lot this year. I feel like this year in particular has really put, uh, strains on the former comic book guy style mentality uh, because this year we've seen like before Watchmen happen which is yep. another one of those this could never happen type things yep. and it happened and I feel like the mature fans do acknowledge that it is incredibly shitty what they did to Alan Moore but also acknowledge that fucking Warner Brothers man like people gotta yeah. make money and it's kind of amazing that they held out this long um, yeah and to and that the new nerd mentality, I think, should be oh, I don't want to read that, and then you don't read that. It's there. Alan Moore's grave will not be desecrated because why? When he dies, yeah. which will be like a thousand years because He's, he is a graybeard wizard. Yeah, but <laughs> whatever. Like you know, he has like snake fingers. And yeah, I, I don't think he has fingers. I think he has ten snakes that firm themselves up to become fingers whenever he needs to type. <laughs> but, you know, is it, is it shitty because... Is it, is it shitty because they duped him out of money? Yes. Yeah. 100%. But yeah. Nuts. He all, he's already moved... He moved on from it a long time ago. Yeah. He literally did. And he's even said out loud... And he took his name off of all of it because he walked away from it. Yeah. We're the, like, like the, the, the fans are the only people that are still bringing it up. Because I guarantee you, Alan Moore does not go, Alan Moore walks into a bar. <laughs> uh, uh, Alan Moore does not sit down and say, I will have, you know, the amniotic fluid of, an Aryan super child, and did you hear what they did with Watchmen? No, oh, man, I'm just, shit. I'm just really bummed about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine, like, no. Mopey Alan Moore? Can Mopey Alan Moore be a meme? <laughs> like, yeah, it should be. Like, he does, he, but he doesn't care. You know, he doesn't care. No. Like, he's like, like he and Melinda Gabby are like dressing up as weird, perverted, you know, fairy tale. Yeah, characters. I mean, it's and he's a rare furniture floats around. I feel like it's, um, he is a real creative person, and even if he owned the rights to Watchmen out and out and got money from it, I'm even wondering if 
if he wouldn't be of the mind of like, hey, I did that 20 years ago. Like, yeah, cool that you love it, but I've done more recent things, you know? Yeah, uh, how many times has Alan Moore returned to the well? He hasn't. Yeah, he, even, yeah he's always... He was even sort of... Yeah. And even to say, then there's, there's the opposite side of the coin. Man, this is where it gets into, like, weird stuff where, um... Because... I think fans almost want Alan Moore to be as attached to Watchmen as they are. But in that case, you get a guy like George Lucas, who is still, who was, uh, up until like three days ago, apparently, was still as attached to Star Wars as the fans were. And the fans hated him for it. The fans yeah. hated that George Lucas loved Star Wars so much that he never considered it done. Um, for George so loved the world that he gave his only begotten creation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, I, you know... I'll say though too, I for he's never seemed like an awful person. Al, I like like creatively, yeah. I don't agree with a lot of the decisions that he's made post nineteen post Howard the Duck. We'll say that, yeah. Uh, but well, no, because um, you got the Criterion of uh, Last Crusade. Last Crusade came out. After, oh, of course I have the Criterion Howard uh, the Duck. Yeah, yeah, it comes in a fold out beak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but. It, uh, did you see what he did with his money? Did you see what, what the what he's doing with the money that he made from selling uh, Lucasfilm to Disney? No, I did not see because I haven't read all the uh, information on it. So Four I've... billion dollars. He put out a press release either yesterday or this morning saying that nearly all of that is going to go to education initiatives and helping to build new schools. And uh, endowments for the arts. I yeah, he's great. I don't. And I actually, I really hope that selling it to Disney. I really kind of hope Disney can turn it. If Disney will just um, release the original unaltered trilogy on Blu-ray remastered, because I do feel like it should be. If they will do that one thing, um, and maybe the harder thing of make a good Star Wars movie. Uh, if yeah. they just do those two things, I feel like George Lucas's legacy will be completely reversed. Yeah. Um, cause yeah. I feel like that's all fans want. I think fans, I mean, I watched that documentary, the people versus George Lucas that's on Netflix, right. um, which is really good. I liked it a lot and it summed up a lot of my feelings about him. Uh, I feel like the one thing people want is just to have access to the movies they fell in love with, um, yeah. that our generation fell in love with. Uh, he's like, they only need to really do that to appease the fans who are over the age of, you know, 25. That's true. Because my nephews watch the, um, 2004 DVD versions for the first one. They don't give a shit about the changes as much as we do because we saw the original ones on, well, VHS for me, but. Well, you know what's interesting about that too? And, uh, first off, I feel like your nephews would barely even give a shit about the original trilogy. Would they be obsessed with the Clone Wars? Yeah, they, they love the Clone Wars. Although when my nephew, when my oldest nephew was a kid, it was a little kid, we watched Empire Strikes Back a lot. Yeah. Um, he liked that. I don't really know if they watch the original ones now. I know they love the clone, the prequels, but I also, side note, and this, I will never buy the argument that <laughs> that that the that the new trilogy, the prequel trilogy, is well, it's for kids. Uh, do you, the the original trilogy is as full as many plot holes, which is bullshit. Not true. Um, <laughs> God. Ugh. 
Anyway. Well, yeah. It, well, th- there's a difference between there's a difference between uh, a movie for kids and a movie that's talking down. Yeah. To be for kids, and uh, and and I think that that might have gotten lost somewhere in there. I. I uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the whole point of the whole point of it even happening during Hurricane Sandy is one of those things of there are more important things to really expend my my energy on. <laughs> Yeah, in this world. And, and you know what? What you said too earlier too, I think, makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, your your nephews, your nephews are coming into the original trilogy, and they see them only. They've only seen the remastered versions. So you go back and you show them your versions, and they're probably going to be like, "Why does this look so dinky? Uh, these the, the the graphics aren't as good. These yeah. sets are emptier, and that happens a lot." Especially with the cyclical nature of of the comic book industry, you yeah. know, especially with superheroes, you come into you come into Spider Man at a certain point, and that spy, that status quo that, oh, yeah. that Peter Parker is in at that moment that you fall in love with Spider Man, it's the way it should be. Oh yeah, that's the way it should be, right? I have that uh, the reverse of the gateful cover of X Men number one. Um, that big uh, vertical poster of every single X-Man who was an X-Man in 1991, all drawn by Jim Lee. The best is yet to come? Yeah, which as yeah. a kid, when I was learning, I don't know, I always said, and the beast is yet to come? Because it's situated yeah. right next to Beast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, why is he's already in it? Um, but like to me, that's, that is where all those characters belong. Like That's like Kitty Pride to me as a member of Excalibur. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Havoc should be on X-Factor. Uh, yeah. X-Factor is not the original X-Men. That's weird to me. Yeah. Right. <sighs> and, and, and somewhere, and somewhere someone is like, Alex Summers should not be on the Avengers. He is Mutant X. Yeah. He oh, should God. And I felt bad for world. those people. I'm sorry that you had to come in on that. <laughs> yeah. Who... <laughs> there are those people there, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's learning. I feel like it's recognizing that. Like, I'm never going to be able to give up that bias. Um... Because I will admit, like, when Chris Claremont announced the X-Men Forever uh, yeah. project, and they were all wearing those original costumes again, like, I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'm on board yeah. for that. Um, I feel like just as a as a fan, like, really trying to understand the reasons why you love things, and not cite, no, there should be a blue and gold version of the X-Men, because that is the correct way to do it. Don't say that. Say, I like it when there's a blue and gold version of the X-Men, because that's what I, you know, first saw. You yeah. Know? It's, it's, fans, it's learning to let go of not stating your opinion as fact, basically. Yeah, it's, it's learning to, I, I think, I think it's like lear, learning to, learning how to describe what about the idea that you love? Like, yeah. like the reason the reason I think there should be a blue and gold strike force is because I that was the era that made me fall in love with these characters. And if it did that for me, I know that it could do it for somebody else. Yeah. That may not even be the case. Yeah. Meanwhile, someone else is like, no, uh, <laughs> Havoc should not be a member of the Avengers. He should be peeing on Iceman's broken head. Oh, to... when did he do that? Oh, that, was... that was in the Draco. Really? He threatened. He threatened oh, to no. remember Iceman was decapitated well, I, just I, ahead. I blocked most of the Draco from my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Maybe we'll read that again at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it I comes. Think that's gonna happen. And I really, I, I have purposely. I mean, I might be talking on my own ass, but I feel like I can talk from experience because I know that there are nerds, fellow comic book fans. I'm one. I'm a nerd as well, so I don't know why I'm saying it like it's a derogatory. Uh, I know that this is happening somewhere. I feel like there are people who love comic books that are mad that a seventh Star Wars movie is coming out, not understanding that comic books are things that have no ends and come out monthly until the end of time. Yeah. Uh, so now you're just going to start getting movies This with the same, with as f- close to the same frequency as movies can manage. Yeah, they're, like, I mean, they're saying, what, every two, three, every two years, to three years, a new Star Wars movie. Which, I mean, as long as they're good. I mean, if it's like James Bond. Like, you don't ever see... It's weird what franchises... What franchises we as a society deem are worthy of having that many movies. Because you don't complain... When the next James Bond movie comes out, people are like, Oh, when's the next one coming out? Yeah, no one ever no says, one. We've had 23 of them. We're good. Yeah, no one complains No one complains when a new Police Academy movie comes out. They no. just say, Yo, Gutenberg is on a roll! Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Michael Winslow. <laughs> that, was, that was as good as him, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you I thought you had stepped out of the room. <laughs> and into oncoming traffic. Yeah. And I feel like no one... And I'm also not hearing people complaining about the Marvel movies. No? I feel like as long as they're good. And I feel like we're kind of burned out on Star Wars because the last three tried so many people's patience. Yeah. No, that's what it is. Yeah. Do you remember, there will never be another marketing blitz for a film. I do not think the way that there was a marketing blitz for episode one. That was it, my life that summer. It was It was six months. Six months in a way that, like, you know, there's, vi- there's, you know, viral campaigns now, and there's multiple trailers released all the time, and they're always in your face if you're online, but... yeah. The way that the way that episode one permeated every single facet of pop culture. Yeah. The only movie that I think may come close is Avengers Two, considering how much money it made. Yeah, and I'm I would not be surprised uh, if episode seven doesn't reach that. It definitely will. That summer's going to be insane. If they get if they convince Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill. And Harrison Ford to come back to do some type of... I mean, my, uh, like, my dream scenario, my pie-in-the-sky dream scenario is uh, they adapt Dark Empire. Yeah. Well, they, they released a statement saying it's 100% original. They're not basing it on anything. Oh, that okay. was that, that information came out at some point today uh, in my various Google Reader trudgings. Project. Because um, there, there was speculation it would be like the uh, the Thrawn trilogy. I all, I on my dream scenario is it's just a, a new damn thing. I don't yeah. I don't want them. I if they recast the original, the, if they recast Han Luke and Leia, fine. Like they can totally do that. I you know whatever. I don't want them to, but they did it with Kirk and Spock, and that was fine. Like yeah, I don't want them to. And I also don't know. I think Topless Robot, uh, Rob Bricken, has had some really great thoughts about this stuff. And he is one of the most curmudgeonly guys on the internet. And I say that in a very loving way because I love him in the blog. Um, but even he was like, you know, I don't want to see old-ass Han Solo. Which I totally kind of agree with. I kind of want Han Solo to always live on in my head as, you know, 
40-year-old Harrison Ford and not 70-year-old Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, but, like, man, just, I'm, he, Rob Rickon said, like, I'm ready to love Star Wars again, and I kind of feel that. Yeah. I kind of feel that this weird, I never would have thought that George Lucas selling Star Wars to Disney would be such a good thing for my love for the franchise. Because there, it does feel like a new hope. Oh, man. Because ah! <laughs> the biggest problem before was, like, I love Star Wars, but George Lucas has this vice grip on it, and it's just never going to be good again. Uh, and the yeah. only thing I wanted was someone else to get it. And now it happened. Yeah. Like, what happens, what happens if they give it... What if Christopher Nolan makes the next Star Wars <laughs> film? Uh, that could be totally crazy. It should be Edgar Wright. Oh, oh God. Man, yeah. I literally just, that idea came to me as I said it. It should be Edgar Wright. Oh, oh man. That, like, you would not, you would actually would not be able to hear any dialogue in the film when it was released. Because be there would just be an impo- like <laughs> an impossible to remove squeal probably from him the yeah. entire time he was shooting. That is just can't be scrubbed from the soundtrack. I mean, the reason that uh, I mean was J.J. Abrams not a huge Star Trek nerd? I actually don't know. No, I think no. He was uh, he was a Star Wars nerd, and he they he like said he wanted to bring the Star Wars energy to Star Trek. Oh, I remember man. that. I remember that being a uh, blurb on the DVD extras. Oh, See, I did not know that. Yeah, but the he wasn't the screenwriter though. That was that was uh, Kurtzman uh, and Orsi. Al- Albert, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex. Uh, oh yeah, Kurtzman and Roberto Orki Orsi. Yeah, Alias guys. They did Alias. They were on yeah. Alias. They uh, they also created uh, Fringe. Oh yeah, I think they are Star Trek nerds. I think I yeah, don't. That makes sense. Um, I feel like that's what this me- that's what this needs like. Also, what fan favorite writer in Hollywood isn't a Star Wars nerd? Like, yeah. they all are. Yeah. <sighs> well, it's under the Disney umbrella, and I'll say, like, what if, guys, he's already he's already made a gajillion dollars for them once. What if they give it to Joss Whedon? <laughs> yeah. Hey, can you double your workload? Yeah. Brad, uh, Brad Bird. Oh, oh God. Yeah. He's the one who did uh, Ghost Protocol, right? Yep. Okay, yeah. That was... I get... I, oh, I get him and Andrew Stanton mixed up. Right. Because they're both right. Pixar guys who I think are kind of cute. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's my problem? Uh, Ghost Protocol was great. Yeah. Um, so I would love it if Brad Bird got it. Um, yeah. The only thing I'm worried about, really, is Dark Horse's licensing. Right. Which they're, which is not up in the air. They said, like, I think the statement was, you know, we've had a good 20-year relationship with them, and, you know, we're going to be with them for the foreseeable future. Which is probably until their license expires. Which I don't know yeah. when that is. I hope I, I, I hope it sustains for them for a while, because that has to be a huge generator of revenue yeah. for them. And, and, and also, also, you know people who are writing... Yeah, for for that. Yeah. So let's let's hope they do keep the license so that they can stay employed. Also, because Brian Woods' Star Wars comic yeah. comes out in January, uh, and uh, that is I didn't even realize that. Uh, yeah, the first issue comes out in January, and I cannot think of a comic book I'm more excited about than Brian Woods' take on Star Wars post the events of Yavin Four. Really, that's what it is. It is 
Star Wars, immediately after A New Hope, written by Brian Wood, uh, and his goal is to just tell, like, good Star Wars stories with Han, Luke, and Leia. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that anybody's goal? Yeah. Oh, it's so ex- it's so exciting, and I don't want it to touch it. Have you seen the, um, Alex Ross did the cover? No, I haven't even seen the cover. Yeah, it is gorgeous. It It, it is... I almost want to say, um... It kind of visualizes it's that Alex Ross's cover for Brian Wood's Star Wars number one is kind of the visualization of the excitement I have for Star Wars right now after Disney merger and with Brian Wood's series coming up. Like, oh, fucking. holy crow! Is this is this it with like the Luke and Leia in the background and Darth Vader holding the lightsaber? Yeah, up? And it's kind of like orangish red fighters. and yeah, yeah, and blue. Wow! Like it is... just it looks like you know seventies pulp. Like it looks. It really captures the energy, I think, of the old Drew Struzan posters. Uh, yeah. Yep. I, I'm, I can't believe that I'm going to have to start making room. I'm going to start pushing my Marvel stuff aside for Star Wars stuff. Ah! <laughs> Maybe. Uh, oh, and the other big news uh, that, again, which I feel like Fox has got to be mad that a hurricane and the Disney acquisition... Uh, overshadow Brian Singer returning to the X-Men franchise. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is really exciting to me, too. Uh, X2. is great. The thrill of X2 was <coughs> one of the... It was, like, the first, like... <coughs> holy shit. Like, I loved Spider-Man. Like, that... Oh, yeah. That, I had a giant smile plastered across my face <laughs> all five times I saw it in the theaters. <laughs> yeah. But... But uh, X2 was that holy shit moment of they're taking this very seriously. Yeah. Well, that was the really exciting time in the early, early 2000s where every new movie was one-upping the other one. Yeah. Like, X-Men 1 came out, and it was great. And I, at the time, I thought that the first Spider-Man movie was, like, a notch better. Yeah. And then X2 came out and was like, you know bar even higher and then spider-man 2 came out and like it's it was this really cool thing <laughs> uh, yeah and i'm really excited like days of future past um all the rumors about patrick stewart and famka jansen and all of them i don't know there's something really interesting brewing because they just announced that the wolverine is taking place after x3 which i don't really i don't really like that but i'm not gonna complain about it online because my complaints don't do anything <laughs> yeah um, and that Famke Jansen, you know, filmed a cameo for the Wolverine. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was, well, she was spotted, like, they knew that she flew down to the set. Like, they, so they don't know what happened, but she was there. Um, and, and then also both her and Patrick Stewart have said, like, been very cryptic about things in interviews very recently. Oh. Uh, oh. And also, like, it's Days of Future Past. Like, I would not be surprised if they're going to... I mean, my idea is, like, you link um, the trilogy and movies that we know and the first class movie. Like, you link the 2000s era and the 60s era. Yeah. The post-apocalyptic future is what we're going to see in Wolverine, and Days of Future Past is going to be going to that reality or something, you know? Yeah. I think they're going to go for some interconnected stuff, and having Brian Singer back is very interesting. Well, also, you know, Mark Miller has that new position <laughs> yeah. as their sort of uh, uh, Marvel continuities are. Yeah. 
and he wants to, and he's stated publicly that he wants to create a coherent enough universe where if any of the movies ever wanted to cross over even across studios if that was ever worked out they could yeah I which think is that's cool smart. and it's exciting i mean that's part of the excitement of a of a shared superhero universe yeah although again i can be i'm just, i'm revealing the nerd that i used to be <laughs> Uh, there are way too many inconsistencies between First Class and the um, original trilogy. Like, oh, they just yeah. don't line up. And, like, X-Men Origin Wolverine. If you just pluck that one movie out, it actually clears up a lot of the inconsistency. Yeah. Um, like, Professor X getting paralyzed in 63, but he's walking in 1979 in X-Men yeah. Origins Wolverine. Things like that. But also, who cares? They're just movies. Um, and you should just watch stories to enjoy them for story's sake. And speaking of enjoying stories for story's sake... Oh, man. Well, we did. (laughs) We certainly did. This week's... Next week's book club pick is is quite a ride. You're Uh, also going to be experiencing a little bit of a Days of Future Past with this, because we're recording this after Hurricane Sandy, but we recorded the book club club episode... The Saturday before Halloween, which we make a very big point of in the episode. Indeed. So there's a lot of time travel here. Yeah, yeah. So so next week you will hear us pre-hurricane, and right now you are hearing us post-hurricane. Notice how tired we... I'm, I'm super tired. Yeah, uh, I can't believe how beat I am from being stir-crazy. Oh, oh yeah, yep. But yeah, next uh, week, yeah. I keep distracting us. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Uh, we have uh, we have a really great pick coming up. It is Severed issues one through seven. The entirety comics, yeah, the miniseries. Uh, written by Scott Snyder and Tuft. Two Scots for the price of two. Probably they both got yeah. paid. They both got paid. They got paid with art yeah. by Attila Futaki. Attila Futaki. Uh, fantastic, uh, almost Norman Rockwell-esque Oh, yeah. Art. Proto-Norman Rockwell, because it's even set before... Man. Yeah, but the level of detail that he creates... Well, we get into all that during the show itself. Uh, yeah, really, uh, this is a horror story. It's very graphic. Yeah. So, uh, uh, viewer, viewer slash listener discretion advised if you go out to check this story out. But it is well worth your time if you are of age... I would even say, you can buy this on Comixology, which is how I did it. Yep. But much like what we said about uh, Parker, Dharma Cook's Parker, I do know that all seven of these issues are have been collected, maybe probably in a hardcover, and this is the kind of story that you should maybe own and have on your... This is a good thing to have on the bookshelf, I would say. Yeah, it's... One, it's scary. Two, the graphic... Design oh, yeah. company Phonographics that created the uh, the 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 logo and the design for the book itself did a fantastic job. It's really it's really, a whole really package. Job. Yeah, uh, looks great. And if that's in a hardcover, I I bet you it is just as gorgeous. And also, this is one of the. Um, it's a good thing to own because it's definitely one of those things where after you and your friends all go see the latest. Uh, comic book blockbuster and you go back to your apartment and you're hanging out and drinking beers and your friend is like 
Yeah, that was a, are comic books as good as that movie? I would like to try that. This is a thing where you can be like, oh, you want to read comic books? Here you go. Yeah. Uh, because it's literally, you just pull it off the shelf. It, it It is a standalone thing. Nothing came before it. Nothing's come after it yet. Um, it's also a different genre, one that I haven't read many comics of. It's horror. So... It is indeed. It oh. is. And it's horror done well. Yeah. I, uh, it's one I of the most terrifying. Yeah. Uh, it utilizes the medium and the form very interestingly. So even yep. if you... Our comic book fan and not a horror fan, which is more of what I am, you'll still be able to read it and get a lot of uh, new sensations from a comic book. Yep. Because of the format. Yeah, and the the pacing the pacing is great. They they do a great job of using page transitions as the sort of uh, fright spots that would yeah. exist in uh, in a horror film. A lot of good dread. Man, we should really edit out this one part of the podcast and then like just put it up as a commercial. We should just email this to Image Comics and be like, look how good we are at selling your stuff, guys. <laughs> this part should not be part of the commercial. Though. Come on, yeah, no, no. Come on, look we... how good we are. We can sell your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's price to move. Go to your local retailer and just get it. <laughs> yeah, there is a hardcover, in fact, available. Oh. And it looks great. And I highly recommend it. Um, and, uh, but, but don't take my word for it. Check it out yourself. And don't take one of our guests, Nicole Dressel's word for it. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, Nicole is coming back. Nicole is back in action. Nicole will be be joining us and, uh, Becky Ferreira. Yes. A a fantastic, uh, fantastic writer, um, who, uh, we are totally jealous of, uh, showed us on her iPhone, a personal email that she had received from Warren Ellis. Yeah. Uh, after an interview that she had conducted with him, uh, and and that was awesome. A dream come true. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be a really awesome episode. Uh, uh, hopefully, it won't be too scary. Yeah. It's after Halloween, so you know. Yeah. Very briefly, Severed does tell the tale of. Uh, a, a kid in early 20th century America. 1916, who, I think. 1916, to be specific, who sneaks out of his adopted mother's home to jump the rails and find his actual birth father. Uh, and who he meets on the road is, uh, is, is the crux of the story, and that is not the person that he or anyone would ever want to meet if they were ever traveling yeah. the country. By Even the in the year 2012, you wouldn't want to meet this guy. Certainly not. Certainly uh. not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this has been this has been a very crazy week. Yeah. Um, we were like, we were just going to like meet up in the city and do another like Panera episode. Uh, yep. That did not happen. <laughs> no. Um, and who? I don't even know how much longer. Uh, it's going to be like this, either. I mean, everyone... It's, it is insane that I rode the subway today. Like, even that blows my mind. Like, yeah. the first responders and just everyone in New York City, um, every single person has impressed me. Like, Mayor Bloomberg has been great. Chris Christie's been above and beyond what I ever expected. No, uh, seriously. Yeah. He, he really has. Uh, you know, in, uh, for... 
politically, I don't agree with that guy almost all the time. But no. uh, in times of crisis, he, he's done a he's done a really great job. Yeah, he's been very uh, straightforward. The really awesome dude on the jet ski on Monday in the New York Harbor, just going to town, living his life. Yeah. Valquin, I think is what he said his name was. Shout out to you, Val. Shout out to you, Valquin. I hope you're okay. LTD, living the dream. Because you were riding a jet ski into New York Harbor about an hour before a hurricane hit. Unbelievable. So I hope you're okay. I walked, on Monday, I walked to the grocery store to buy ice cream. We had already filled up on actual necessities. We were stocked. And we were like, eh, let's get some junk food just in case because we're set and we walked to the store and it sucked three blocks it sucked it sucked so hard i came back and i was like nope not doing that again yeah so valquin hats off to you yeah living the dream uh so yeah we uh um good stuff my brain just died (laughs) i think it's time for us to sign off yeah, go and to bed. Please join us next week when we read Severed Issues 1 through 7 by Scott Snyder and Tuft. I like saying it that way. Yeah. And Attila Futaki and Phonographics. I'm also going to give them a plug. Because they knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, and uh, join us as we are joined by Nicole Dressel and Becky Ferreira. It's going to be a scary good time. Make sure you go to the website, mattbrettlovecomics.com, where you can listen to past episodes. You can uh, find us on iTunes. Please review the show and please rate it, because that puts more mojo into the iTunes algorithms and gets us more prominence. Indeed, and we will also have links to Purchase Severed on the website as soon as this episode goes up. Please, if you do order it from Amazon, click through from the website. That will kick back a little bit of money to us to help keep the lights on at no cost to you. And that uh, is very important in a post-hurricane world, keeping the lights yeah. on. So, uh, But I don't want there to be any misconstru- misconstruing. You buying things on Amazon and us getting the money, that does not help out. Please help out in other ways if you want yeah. to help out with Hurricane Sandy relief. Yeah, if you need to hurry, yeah, donate to the Red Cross, for God's yeah. sakes. Um, you know, it, it volunteer time, time, food, money, whatever, yeah. whatever you can. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is always all appreciated uh, as, as someone who has received help in hard times. Uh, all of that, uh, none of that goes unnoticed. We're in a society, we're all in this together. Vote for Barack Obama. I endorse him. <laughs> it, this is going up on Sunday, and the election is on Tuesday. Let's uh, let's put the. <laughs> so you're gonna, oh, okay. Am so I am I, am I alienating all your cards? Am I alienating listeners right now? I don't. I don't know if Brett is alienating you. You can follow him on Twitter, uh-uh. twitter.com/slash Brett White. Yeah, and if you want Matt to actually alienate you and stop being like so withholding. You can go to <laughs> at the Matt Little on Twitter or Facebook <laughs> at the Matt or the Matt Little. <laughs> <laughs> Good times, you guys. Good times. Uh, let us know how we're doing in either place. Like us on Facebook. Uh, check us out on all the social media. You know where to go. Um, until next time, this is Matt and this is Brett. And uh, we love comics. We love comics, uh, but we also know where to put them in the wider scheme of things. Yeah. <laughs> so- Holler at your boy. 
I'll let you boy, you what? sick boy. <laughs>